This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Thanks for being with us today for another trip into Canada, where I've been visiting a number of systems lately and have found that they are fascinating transit systems with a real commitment and focus to maintaining state of good repair and expansion service. Debbie Dale Vidove is director of transit for Hamilton Street Railway in the city of Hamilton, uh, which is part of the uh, province of Ontario in Canada. She's got a great story. She started as a bus driver in Toronto and slowly worked her way up the career ladder to now land at the top of this iconic Canadian transit system. Her focus on developing a customer-centric agency is admirable and is at the center of her plan to redevelop their route network and move forward with a light rail system in conjunction with Metro Links. On her story on this Transit Unplugged podcast, you'll hear the heartbeat of a transit leader who knows her business from the ground up and is out front leading to a new mobility tomorrow for her region. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I'm Paul Comfort. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. It's exciting today to be in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And I'm with Debbie Dalvadov, who is Director of Transit for Hamilton Street Railway. Thanks for having me in today. I'm glad to have you and, and thank you very much for the opportunity to spend some time talking to you. Yeah, I was up here maybe a year or two ago to an office up on a hill somewhere, I remember. And now we're in downtown. Yes. So our uh, main office is up on the escarpment. So we have an escarpment here in Hamilton, commonly referred to as sometimes as a hill, a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and our main offices are up on uh, on the escarpment and downtown, obviously, is in the lower city. Yeah. So we're meet, we're really above a train station here, right? We are. Pretty go, neat. Go Hunter. Uh, uh, train station. So it's our regional uh, transit provider is Go Transit. So uh, this is their main uh, location here. Very good. So um, Debbie, tell me some about uh, Hamilton Street Railway mm-hmm. and why there is no street railway. <laughs> so <laughs> <It's buses. laughs> uh, so uh, the HSR has a long history. Uh, we were incorporated back in 1873. So at the time when... Uh, wow, 125 to, years ago. Uh, 140 plus years ago. Oh my ago. God, there's my math. You're yes. Math. You said you weren't good with math. I Look know. at that, you figured that out quick. <laughs> um, so at the time we did we did off, operate on rails. Yeah. So uh, that's the name and the title has never changed. Right. And, and we are commonly known as the HSR. We carry approximately 21 and a half million customers a year. Um, we operate uh, 35 routes okay. across the city. So as I mentioned earlier, we have a mountain escarpment hill that we have routes uh, on on both levels. We cover approximately 243 square kilometers in our urban transit area, operate 267 buses, a combination of diesel and compressed natural gas, so CNG. Um, So we are converting our diesel fleet over into CNG. Uh, have been doing that since approximately 2014. So we're almost at 50% of our fleet are compressed natural gas, uh, which is a... um, an improvement over the diesel vehicle from a climate uh, perspective and a costing perspective and position as great uh, in a great uh, position to enter into the electric bus uh, 
area when yes. uh, when the time is right for that. Uh, we have approximately 2,200 uh, service stops across the city, 757 employees at the HSR. And uh, we carry roughly about 60,000 customers a day who uh, get on our service and move across the city. I've been watching your buses for the last day, and they intermingle with some other buses. Who? Are, what are the other buses here? Tell us about that. So are you talking about the green buses? Uh-huh. So those are yeah. the GO buses. Right. So GO Transit is our interregional uh, provider. So GO provides service here to this location by rail um, and by bus. Uh, we have uh, some service in the morning, taking people from Hamilton into uh, Toronto. And then again, we have some service in the afternoon. We have no service throughout the day, so that's supplemented by the actual GO buses. So they have the 40-foot vehicles that are double-deckers. This is the main downtown hub for that interaction between us and GO Transit. And who operates that? So that is operated by Metrolinx, Mm -hmm. which is the provincial government. So we have uh, the municipal government, which uh, funds and, and operates the Hamilton Street Railway. And then the next level up of government is the provincial government, and they operate the uh, GO Regional Provider. And so you're part of city government here. You're part of the Department of Public Works. Is that right? That's correct. Mm-hmm. So we are part of the city, and uh, transit uh, does come under the Public Works uh, Department for the city. You've got a long background in transit. Tell me about how that works in a city. So you, you have regular meetings with the people that do the roads and other places. Does that help, like in putting out bus stop signs and... So we do have a department leadership team that covers off all the facets that you would normally find in a public works department. So uh, we do have meetings uh, strategically as a group to, you know, what we're doing as the department. And then we have different departments within transit that interact with the other departments and the other uh, groups in public works in regards to coordination for road work. Uh, You know, if we design a stop designed, if we're building another facility, um, um, you know, all those other departments uh, intermingle for that. I think that's great. You know, not every transit system has that great interaction. Uh, Some transit systems are independent authorities that have to work with the city, and sometimes they're not always in sync. So So before, back uh, when we amalgamated with all the outlying areas uh, around Toronto, um, we did operate as a, a commission. Uh, for lack of a better description, that's uh, in, in our history. But then once we amalgamated, we came into the city of Hamilton and then we provided everything for, uh, for the transit service for the entire area. That's great. Um, tell me about, because you, you've already kind of done it a little bit, but about transit in general in Canada and how it works. So you've got city operations like yours, then you've got the provincial, which I guess in America, that'd be analogous to a state. So your head guy here is Rob Ford. Is that right? In Ontario? So our premier is yeah. uh, Rob Ford. He's... I had to throw, I had to get his name thrown <laughs> in. Uh, sorry. Actually, it's not Rob, it's Doug Ford. Doug Ford, thank Rob you. Rob Ford was the mayor of, of Toronto. That's it, yeah, And yeah. now Doug Ford is the premier of Ontario. So every province in Canada has a head of the province. Yes. And then we report into the federal, the provincial government. And then we have the Airport federal government the that oversees Which is your prime the minister, entire, Trudeau. And he is the prime minister. Yes. And his yes. dad was too, right? A he long was, time ago. yes, yeah. yes. So the federal government puts money out for capital or operating or both? 
Luther? So there are different funding streams coming from the federal and the provincial government. Typically, um, experience in transit from a federal perspective is uh, more towards the capital aspect of funding. At the provincial level, uh, we do also get capital uh, funding from the, the province. And a number of years ago, uh, they also started with a provincial gas tax which that money can be allocated to either capital or operating. Okay. So uh, you have that ability to supplement all the capital investment with some operating dollars because without money to put a bus on the road and a driver in that seat, uh, we can invest all we like in capital, but we still have to get those wheels turning on those buses. And what's your budget look like uh, here operating capital? And do you have to get it approved every year? And- so we do have a budget cycle annually. So typically what happens here at the city of Hamilton in the fall, we look at the capital budget and then that gets approved. And then like by city council, by and the city mayor council, or yes, uh-huh. uh, they approve the capital budget. And then again, then after we complete the capital budget, then we go into the operating budget. And again, that goes to our city council and uh, it gets approved through that process. And what's your budget this year? So we're just preparing it now for okay. 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we take in roughly about $42 million in revenues uh, out of uh, the fare box. Okay. Um, so that's about a 47% uh, revenue cost ratio. Wow, Debbie, that's great. You get a 47%. We get 47%. Of your from, cost back from the fare box. From the fare box. That's great. Yes. That's yes. a really high number. Yes, I mean, we'd like it to be higher, yeah, obviously. Yeah, that's still really good. Yeah, so so uh, that's how it is right now. So we're trying to get at least to that 50% mm-hmm. level so that the burden on the on the tax levy is uh, not as substantial. Of course, we'd like to exceed it even more than that, sure. but uh, that's what we're uh, working towards. That's great. So tell us about yourself, your background. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting, you and I started around the same time in our careers, but you started at Toronto Transit Commission. Yes, I started the Toronto Transit commission as an operator. I'm not going to tell you what year. Like a, bus, a bus driver, right? <laughs> a bus driver. Okay, so yeah. I, I drove trolley buses, regular buses. I drove subway, streetcars, wow. so everything that had a wheel on it. I operated out of uh, at the TTC while I was there. And then from there, I went into as an instructor. So then I taught on all the equipment that we had in operations, uh, moved up into a supervisory role, into divisional management, and then spent the last six years of my 20-year career there working in the employee relations uh, section of human resources to bring that operational aspect into HR and, and employee relations in regards to uh, doing with that. Let's talk about that for a minute. I think that's a really interesting role. I've been, just this morning, I was on the phone with the CEO of a transit system in the southern part of America who said, Paul, I, I saw you call. I wanted to call you back. I'm in the middle of union negotiations, yes. working on my collective bargaining agreement. Yes. I said, oh, brother, been there, done that. Yes. So uh, I think it's interesting that TTC wanted an operational person who had good experience there as part of the team mm-hmm. so that you could tell them what? So it was, you know, it's like anything in a union, and we're a unionized uh workforce so that you know when they're sitting there and looking at the legalese of dealing with issues through either arbitration and and you know trying to resolve issues from that perspective it's always the impact operationally of what those decisions are and being at the table before reaching those decisions or or resolving issues of a labor relations uh, nature um, allowed for some buy-in and to come up with the best 
result as opposed to, oh, you know, they signed this agreement with the union and now out to the field and operations and trying to implement that, which might be problematic in regards to, you know, what are the impacts of the financial impacts, impacts to our customers, impacts to the service. So Mm -hmm. it brought that uh, real, you know, boots on the ground aspect to, you know, how is this going to, how will this impact your operation? I think that's a very interesting model mm-hmm. that maybe other transit systems should look at. I know that, you know, when I've been involved in uh, labor negotiations, we often had somebody from operations, but it's very high level, maybe yes. the chief operating officer. Mm-hmm. But having someone who's been a divisional operator and a driver mm-hmm. who can say the impact of this decision of, you know, adjustments of the rate here or uh, or a penalty, you know, where you get points if you're out, this is the impact it'll have on an operator. Mm-hmm. That's really good, I think. Yeah, it was a, uh, I was the first one, it, the director of HR at the time thought that that might be a good way to kind of bridge that gap and bring some more credibility to what they were doing in in labor relations. So it did provide a great learning opportunity for myself from an LR perspective and had the opportunity to participate in arbitrations, uh, to sit at the negotiating table, understand what you know, was all involved in that. So yeah, it was, it, it brought an element of learning that wasn't available being at an operational division because you're so busy in the day-to-day running of the the organization to see like that one step higher and that broader overview of of, uh, what that looked like. And then when you left TTC, you went to Oakville? I went to Oakville, which was uh, about 40 minutes down the road uh, west of Toronto. So a smaller community, municipal service provider. Um, I was there as the operations manager and I spent 10 years there. So very interesting difference between working at the largest transit agency in the country, operating a, a certain division where you had department set up just specifically to support you in delivering the service to landing at a municipal provider of a smaller agency um, where you are now that person doing all of those roles. So a lot of learning happened there, which was really instrumental to prepare me for the position I'm in now from the perspective of having the whole broader experience for 20 years working at a larger agency and everything that comes with that for, you know, some people might work a lifetime you know, in an in a smaller agency and maybe deal with a quarter of what you might see in the first six months right. of a year at any given time at a larger agency. And then combining those two to be able to have both aspects of uh, that. And then you left there and came here. And then I left and, and came there. I was there for 10 years and uh, the position of director came up here in Hamilton and I uh, applied and uh, was successful at that. It was always my dream job to be the head of a transit agency so that I could make a difference. Has it met your expectations? I mean, you were in the industry for uh, many years and then finally to make it to the top. What's it like? So it was a lot of work, (laughs) a lot of challenges here in Hamilton, given what we've been through from a transit perspective and, and the city and the, you know, the declining ridership. And, you know, at a municipal level here in Canada, especially I can speak in Ontario, you know, a lot of uh, competing interests on the tax levy to run programs right across the city. So, you know, transit is a significant draw from uh, an operating perspective. So, you know, council always has a difficult decision in trying to, you know, how do we take a limited amount of money and spread it around to meet all those competing interests. So a lot of challenges there in trying to get us to a place where, you know, we are bringing as much money from a, a revenue perspective to the table to minimize the impact on the tax levy. So, 
It's a different skill set than than being a COO, though, right? So at Oakville, you're running the day to day. Here, you're spending how much of your time would you say on politics, government, those kind of things? So yes, absolutely, it is. You know, I, I like to try to spend a lot of my time in that strategic part. But landing when I did here three years ago, you know, we had some challenges, a lot of issues around, you know, just kind of getting up to speed from a transit perspective. So spending a considerable amount of time in the weeds, as, as you would like to say, but now did a redesign of the uh, structure and transit, you know, with a more focus on customer experience. Oh, you that's know. great. Well, we are in the customer service business, and that's a period at the end of that. Yeah. Without the customers, we, we, we do not, not, not exist. So it uh, was always one of my earliest observations, even when I started back at the TTC, that because we were the biggest fish in the yes. in the ocean yes. and, you know, the focus on customer was not what I would have expected, uh, you know, considering you're providing a service. And the other aspect, too, was, you know, the focus on the frontline staff, mm-hmm. because as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, everything that everybody does to put a bus on the road, when that front door opens and that interaction between that customer and that operator, that is your moment of truth. So uh, a lot of opportunities in in regards to that and trying to improve that. And I imagine that comes from your background having actually done that, because I don't hear that a lot from people at the top. No. And it does. It's it serves well from the perspective because it is a very difficult job. We do a great job of making it look so easy, but it is, you know, a really difficult job. So, you know, a lot of times when I have conversations with the frontline staff and the operators, you know, when they're trying to explain, you know, what it's like, you know, I totally and absolutely understand that. I remember my, I remember what it was like to be a trainee. I remember what it was like to be an instructor. And, and it, it's important to have that aspect. Do you need to have driven a bus to do my job? Probably not. But does it help to understand all the nuances of that role? I, I think it has certainly served me well to be able to uh, rely on that experience. Yeah, it gives you confidence, I think, too. Tell me if you agree with this. This is one of my one of my uh, theses about us in the trans industry. For many years, we were the monopoly mm-hmm. for all mobility in a city. Mm-hmm. And as such, we didn't have to worry so much about being customer-centric. Mm-hmm. Now that there are new for-profit and non-profit entities moving into our sphere, mm-hmm. whether they are transit networking companies or other microtransit, mm-hmm. or even some corporations are moving mm-hmm. into our sphere. Now, suddenly, we're not the monopoly anymore. People can vote with their feet mm-hmm. uh, and decide, I'm not going to ride transit. I'm going to try an Uber today, or I'm going to try a Lyft, or I'm going to try the microtransit or the scooter if you're in Memphis, or the bikes in many cities. Mm-hmm. Now, suddenly, we have to say, you know what? Our experience needs to be friendly, welcoming, open, easy. Do you agree with that, what's happening? Absolutely. Yeah. So one thing that's uh, remained consistent in my career in, in transit is the customer's expectations have been pretty basic. Frequent, (laughs) reliable service. That's what is going to make that decision as to whether or not I'm going to jump in the car in my driveway or potentially uh, jump on public transit. So absolutely the best thing that probably happened to the transit industry was some healthy competition. A little competition, right? A little competition. Everybody gets better. Sharpen your pencil a little bit better and look at different ways of doing things. I think the other thing has always been in transit. It's, you know, we're going to get everyone out of their cars and everybody onto transit. And and that's, you know, a very lofty goal or ambition, but it's really what's not realistic. And I think refocusing on those people who can make a choice on certain days. I always say if you're driving for five days, 
you know, use transit one or two days. If I can, if I can make that consideration or make that a, a consideration for you, you know, as you're going to a meeting somewhere and I can get you there relatively closely to your travel time that you would in your car, but you can sit there on the bus and you can maybe answer some emails. You know, we're piloting Wi-Fi on some of our fleet now and have a good customer experience and get you there, you know, relatively close. It then becomes the value proposition as to, you know, how much is your time worth and would you rather be able to multitask or do other issues mm-hmm. than besides sitting in, you know, stuck in traffic on the highway. That's great. Let's now shift the conversation and start talking forward. So this is a great place to have that segue. Tell us, what are you doing to make the agency more customer-centric, make the routes meet the needs of right. where your passengers are today? So in the spring of 2018, we partnered with McMaster University and their engineering uh, department on our re-envision campaign. So basically, uh, the program is designed around going out to our customers current and potential across the city of Hamilton to find out exactly what it is our customers want, where are they going, so origin destination, because it would make just common sense to provide service where people want to go and and how to get there. So we've been working with them since that time. We conducted a survey with all the uh, residents in the city of Hamilton in the winter of uh, 2019. We had over almost 6,000 people participate in the survey. So now McMaster is taking that information and compiling that. They're getting all our real-time data on our routes. One interesting aspect that one of the... uh, professors from McMaster had was around a robustness of your of your service. So how robust is your service? What does that mean in, so, your, in your mind? So basically, how quickly can your service recover mm. if you have some significant delays? So right now, all of our service goes into the downtown core. It's a radial system and then spreads out right across the, the entire uh, area. So if something happens in that downtown core, you know, it will impact all our service that we have running across the entire city. Mm-hmm. So you're out in the far east end of the of the of the city, you know, oblivious to what's happening right in the downtown core, but wondering why your bus is half an hour later or, or not running on time. It's because it was stuck in that downtown core with that whatever that instance was. So they're looking at all the algorithms and, and stats around that to really understand how robust it is. So when you have a major event or a delay, how quickly can your service recover so that you can get back to that frequent, reliable service? So I thought that was a very... That is a good factor, yeah. Yes, yes. So you're going to use that as a factor in determining the new route structure? Yes, so to okay. look at the redesign based on what our customers are telling us, and then we will be presenting what our, our findings are to council. We're targeting March of 2020 next year to do that. Okay. And then uh, proceeding from there to hopefully, uh, you know, design a system that will be conducive to increasing ridership, forming part of the, you know, the city, right? A transit system is about city building. It's not just moving people from A to B. So uh, I'm really excited to do that. We're doing some really groundbreaking work with uh, McMaster. It sounds like it. So your city council kind of serves as a board of directors in a sense for you. Absolutely. We report to them. Yeah. So they're really into the weeds of how their transit system operates. Yes, well, and, and you know, and and they get their feedback from their constituents. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they have their areas of the city that they're responsible for and serve their, their constituents there. So, yes, they are absolutely our board of director. Not every city service crosses every ward right. um, that, like, like transit does. So, you know, it is a, a broad-reaching uh, service that uh, is provided in Hamilton. 
One of the things I think that's really uh, unique and interesting about this area is that you have one uh, multi-use card that you can use on multiple transit systems. Yes. Can you tell us some about so that, what it's called it's, and how it works? Yes. Yeah, so we have a, a Presto card. That's mm-hmm. what it's called. So it is an initiative that came out of Metrolinks, which is the provincial body that governs the regional system Go. So all transit agencies in the GTHA, which is the Greater Toronto Hamilton area, participate in this Presto card so that, yes, you have one card that you can tap on, whether you're starting in Hamilton and working your way towards Toronto, whether you're on a, a HSR vehicle or you get on a Go bus or a Go train. It's a seamless interaction for the customers and the customers love the ability just to have that uh, yeah. tap on. Is it an account-based system where people have an account on the card or in a, up in the cloud somewhere and they can tap and go? So it is an account-based system right now and it's been uh, it was launched approximately 10, 12 years ago. Okay. So like anything with technology, you know, we are now just looking at the next iteration of what that is to yeah. to to uh, have all that functionality. But technology changes so quickly. Yes. You know, it's always, you're always playing catch up and, and to do that. So uh, we're looking at uh, all those other functionalities that the new technology is able to bring to us now. One of the fun things that just happened yesterday, the day we're recording this, is a scholarship program that you actually did in combination with uh, Trapeze. Yes. Uh, Tell us a little about the scholarship program and this driver who's been working for how many years? So 50 years. So yesterday, August the 19th, we celebrated Maurice Powell, who has driven a bus for the Hamilton Street Railway for 50 years. Wow. So he's only the second employee in the city of Hamilton history that went past 50-year service. And Trapeze approached us and uh, wanted to contribute to our celebration of Maurice. And through a partnership between Trapeze and Mohawk College, which is our other uh, large educational institution in the city, we came up with a bursary. So for the next five years, we'll be contributing. There'll be a $500 bursary for people who are participating in their transportation planning course that they have in the, in the, uh, in, at Mohawk College. So it's giving back to the community and then giving back to the industry. It is such a, you know, it's a a fabulous, fabulous initiative all the way around to be able to do that in honor of somebody who drove a bus in this city for 50 years. And and, uh, Victoria Fulton, who works with us, told me that she thinks he might be the longest serving driver in Canada in a public transit system. We're looking into yeah, that. Yeah. It's, if it's, it's hard. true, you ought to really do something with that, too. Yeah, so yeah. absolutely. Put his picture on a stamp or something. Well, <laughs> a stamp, a bus stop. A, yeah, you know, yeah, that'd be a great idea. You know, and, 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 I, and I like to kind of level set the whole aspect about 50 years of driving a bus. So it's Amazing. not, you know, it's not, you know, not to d- diminish a desk job, but, you know, every day out there with the public, picking up people, driving through traffic, yeah. you know, dealing with everything. Loading and, wheelchairs and all the Stuff the that goes on, the yeah. whole the whole gamut of it, and you know Maurice is such a wonderful person, excellent with the customers. Just you know, it, yeah. it is it is really really amazing that he's able to do that, and he's continuing on. So he right. he's not retiring. He still wants to you know continue on, and you know we will have him as long as he he feels that uh, coming into work every day is where he wants to be. 
And let's end it how we started it. So the first question I asked you is, why don't you have streetcars? But now I understand there is a plan to maybe have some light rail come into the area. Yes. Tell us about that and where you're going for the future of uh, HSR. So uh, we do have an LRT uh, project that we are in the midst of uh, um, designing uh, in partnership with the provincial government who provided the funding for the LRT. So that will be down in our lower lower corridor in our lower city um, that will run right across from one end to the other. And uh, so, you know, our role in HSR is, again, and building on what we're doing with reInvision, is, you know, be able to feed that that rail line, that LRT, so that we can, you know, get as many people on that and move them as, as quickly and that we can across the downtown core. So that's very exciting. And we're just in the process now, uh, a little bit of a uh, um, you know, we had a provincial government change and a little bit of a, a, a not a stall, but, you know, until they got settled. Yeah, you have to evaluate and, things. And, yeah. re, and reevaluate the commitment of the capital investment by the provincial government. So we're moving along with that. And, uh, you know, on top of everything else we're doing at HSR. So, you know, we're working now and planning for the construction period and then ultimately to have the system to support the LRT when it lands. You've got some great systems up here. Steve Sawyer, our general manager, and I were in Toronto just a few weeks ago up on our rooftop with a bunch of people. And we could look down at the top of the TTC yes. uh, streetcars and they were Steve said, Paul, listen and see what you hear. I said, I don't hear anything. He's like, exactly. Right. You notice how quiet yes, that is. Yes. They put in this new buffering system there, I guess. And yeah, yeah. Is that something that you all would think about doing here as well, you think? So, I, I you know. You're so early in the process. We're, we're right? early yeah. in the process. We don't have a shovel in the ground yet. But, you know, certainly we can always learn from other areas, you know, experiences and, and what their solutions are to come right. up with, with problems that they're faced. You know, I'm big proponent of you don't need to reinvent the wheel if somebody else is doing it and it's doing well and it's going to meet your needs then you know absolutely why wouldn't you take that and and, and use those learnings to move your organization forward that's great and uh another uh friend of mine that works with you dennis guy is also helping you focus on that customer-centric yes. part of things right yes yes yeah yeah so he's in charge of the customer experience and innovation section which again is that realignment of when i got here was you know how are we going to focus on the customer experience so putting all that into one place to to ensure that you know now with the competitive edge and our other competitors out there that we can keep pace with that so that we're still a viable a viable uh, choice for people out there who are looking to move uh, within the city. That's great. So I think you're well positioned to do that here in the area. You've got, I think, a wonderful vision. Mm-hmm. Keeping, you know, like uh, Stephen Covey said, right, start with the end in mind, yes. which is our customer, right? Yes. One of the seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. You've made that one of your top priorities, haven't you? I have, absolutely. Yeah, and you've got the whole agency, and it sounds like the whole city helping you focus on that as mm-hmm. you move forward. Mm-hmm. Very transit-friendly city here in Hamilton, and, and and our council gets that and appreciates that and, and understands how important transit is. So we're very lucky from that perspective that I don't have to fight that battle as well. So yeah, we've got a lot of uh, opportunity to do some really great and exciting things here in the city of Hamilton. Well, thank you for having me in today. I think that there's a lot of lessons learned from some of your past experience Mm -hmm. that uh, you were able to share today on the podcast. Thanks for having us in and being a guest on Transit Thank you so much. This was great and uh, glad to have spent some time to uh, talk to you about HSR. Thank you. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.